Hey guys, it's Jamie Scrimger here, second wife, stepmom of three, and mom of one. And you're listening to my podcast, where we talk about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. If you're ready for raw and real conversations and are striving to live your very best life, then you are in the right place. Every week, I'll provide you with tips and strategies and mindset shifts to inspire you to live your own version of a kick-ass life while bringing you along as I create my own. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. So in this episode, we are talking all about relationships with age gaps or age differences, if you will. Now, a few months ago, I got lost into the rabbit hole of Instagram, and I'm actually so thankful that I did because I stumbled upon Natalie Workman's Instagram profile called He's 25 Years Older. Since Darren and I have a 13-year age difference ourselves, I was obviously really interested in all that she had to say. And guys, I've been hooked on her content ever since. Natalie's fiance, Brandon, is 25 years older than her. And on her blog and most recently her podcast, she talks about all things age gap relationships, including the obvious challenges that would come from being with an older man, and then the completely unexpected realities of being in this type of relationship. So she's very honest when she says that the most challenging part of their relationship has been navigating other people's opinions. And I'm obviously not surprised there. She says, and I quote, when we fell in love, we had no idea how challenging it was going to be to make everyone else fall in love with us too. Now in this episode, we talk about the challenges of dating an older man, our experiences with dealing with other people's opinions, how Brandon's kids reacted to this relationship, and the life lessons that we've both learned from hooking up with an older man with kids. Let's dive in. All right. Hello, Natalie. Hi. Oh my gosh. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for coming. The day has finally come. I'm so excited to be joining you guys. I know. You know what? I was scrolling through Instagram and this is, when did I find you? A couple months ago, I believe. And I was scrolling through and I, I came across your profile somehow. I was like, oh my gosh, I love this girl and I need to connect with her. So I'm so excited oh. that we're actually sitting down. Me too. Okay, awesome. So for people who don't know who you are and what you're all about, give us your lowdown. What what do you got going on, Natalie? I have a couple things going on. So my name is Natalie Workman and I am in an age gap relationship. My fiance and I have 25 years age difference. He's 50, I'm 25. And we also have three stepkids. He has three beautiful girls that I have become the stepmother or I guess stepmom to be. We kind of, we don't, we don't roll with official titles here at our house because they will never call me mom. And like the stepmom thing is still kind of happening because we're not technically married, but you know, we, we all, we live together and it's, that's my role with them. But that, that's what the world would view my role. But because we are kind of, some of us are the same age or around the same age. It's it's not exactly a comfortable role, I would say. Right. So, okay. You said 25 years and you know what, that's, I remember looking at your Instagram and, and I thought that Darren and I had a huge age difference because we're 13. It's like, Oh, 25. I'm like, she's a <laughs> real age difference. So tell me about the kids. How old are the kids? The kids are 26. The oldest is 26. The middle is 23 and the youngest is 13. And so you are how old? I'm 25. So, so one of them is older than me. 
Yes. And so we were just kind of diving into that. We, you know what we were talking before we pressed record and I was like, okay, I got to stop. I got to stop because we're, <laughs> we're getting it. We're into good stuff. So how did you meet your husband or your fiance? Sorry. I met my fiance when I was 12 years old. He came over to my house for a Super Bowl party because he and his family had just moved into our neighborhood and my parents loved to throw a good Super Bowl party. And I vividly remember being introduced to his girls, but obviously he was there. Uh, there was no feelings at that point in time. I want to be very clear about that. Uh, <laughs> it's not like I've held on to this memory because, you know, there's some weird uh, relationship that we had when I was 12. I just, I remember meeting his girls. And so his oldest daughter, who's 26, was joining my class uh, in middle school. So she was a new student at Portland Christian Middle School. And we became friends. And so I met Brandon through her really. And she and I were close friends all throughout middle school. So I had sleepovers at her house and her dad was like the disciplinarian. Like he was always busting us for talking to boys. He busted in on my second kiss and kicked the guy out of my house. Like it's just, there's a very strange relationship that we have where he actually knew me and played some kind of strange parental role in my middle school years that ended in high school. Okay, great. So then he is the dad of your friend. And then fast yes. forward, like, how did you get to where you're at now? Where we're at now. Yes. I started working for his company uh, when I was in college and we just started working on a project together. Uh, and through the process of working on a project together, I became closer to him. And there are some team members that lived close to my parents' house. And when he was kind of going through a divorce, he was spending a lot of time with them. And my parents and I would just come over and we would all spend quite a bit of time together. So I moved home from London. We stopped working together. I decided to go off to school to London. Uh, and when I came back, we decided we wanted to I guess, start dating. Like the feelings percolated and we saw each other in very different roles later than we obviously did when I was 12. <laughs> yeah. All right. So at what point though, did you feel like, okay, I, you know, I have a crush on this guy or I'm, I'm feeling something for this guy. Like something is going on here. Well, when I was in London, he was in the process of selling his business. So he was doing this kind of road show and I was going to school and we would all meet with his team over while I was abroad. And that's when I felt like we were removed from this smaller community that we live in and the feeling started to develop between the two of us. But then obviously I was in London, I was going to school, I was living my absolute dream of attending London School of Economics. So I just kind of put that off until I was done with what I was doing. And when I came home, there was a connection there. So we just decided to start to pursue that connection. But it was weird. Oh my gosh, it was so weird. So were you uh, like, oh my God, what the hell is going on here? Like what yes. is happening? Yeah, 100%. It, it, because like who makes that move first? There's a very awkward exchange that takes place, uh, especially when you've known somebody for so long. And so he asked me one night if I had ever felt this way before. And I paused for like 15 seconds and I said, no, I've never felt this way. And then for, I was in London. So months after that, nothing happened, but it was like opening the door. And then when I came home, he asked me out on a date and the rest is history. <laughs> you know what though? When I'm listening to you say this, and I think back to Darren and I, when Darren and I got together, 
I always say like, this was not in my five-year plan. Like I, I never planned on being a stepmom of three or hooking up with a man who had been divorced, like in a previous wife and all of these things. Like this is not, it's not in your five, five-year plan. Like you don't no. think that this is going to happen. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in love with someone and you're like, shit, like this is real. Like there's something, there's something going on here. There's something to explore. That's exactly what I went through as well. And most people can't articulate it in that same way because they can't even talk about it because it's so uncomfortable. It's the last thing they want to talk about or draw attention to. And I think both of us choose to acknowledge those things so that in many ways it takes its power away, but also it's empowering to other people to actually be open and honest about the, the maybe struggle or points of contention in those moments. Yeah. So you come home. And you're going on these dates. So what, how does everyone react? It was, for me, it was fairly heartbreaking because people weren't supportive. Specifically, my mom has been supportive 100% through the, the process, but my dad really struggled early on. I remember telling my brother early on and just both of them both of them didn't understand. And it was, it was painful for me because I was explaining what this was. It wasn't Brandon and I injecting our energy into the situation and fast forward three and a half years. I mean, my brother is right down the hall. He's staying with us for the week right now. He and I have never had a better relationship because of Brandon. My dad and Brandon are the exact same way. They're buddies. Like our whole family has grown in such a positive way because of this relationship. But early on, like that, that first Christmas, that first Thanksgiving, it was just, it was awkward and fairly painful for my family of giving up this hope that I was going to marry somebody that was quote unquote normal and that I would have this normal life. And, and, and so that that's all gone away. And that's part of the message that is very important for me is just like, it can come back around to where it feels like it's supposed to be. It might not ever feel normal, but it feels like it's your life. You didn't expect that this is going to be your life, but I'm sure you don't feel like it's somebody else's life. Like it's your, this is your life. This is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be a stepmom and a mom and a wife to somebody who's been married before. And it provides you love and opportunities and, and different experiences that you own that's yours. Yeah. And you know what, even though it's maybe not someone else's normal, it's my normal now. Right. And I always say, you just have to let time do its thing because at the very beginning, my mom, oh my gosh, my mom said that she didn't think that I should, she just said, I want you to consider that he will probably like die before you is basically like the subtext of what she was saying. And, you know, it's great right now, but soon he's going to be, you know, 60 and 70. And then he, you're going to be this widow and young. And, and I remember just thinking, okay, but I could also get hit by a truck tomorrow and you never know what's going to happen. And I would rather have 10 good years with someone or whatever, than never Mm -hmm. have experienced the love that I have. And I know that sounds cheesy, but it's true. Well, and it's your, it's the person that's come into your life, right? Like it's sure we can talk about all the possibilities out there, but why would you say no to somebody that fits so well because of the fear of what potentially could happen to one or both of you? Like Mm -hmm. it's fairly silly, but I also understand the mentality of just, it's, it's, it can be scary. 
Yeah. And, you know, even with people whose parents have an issue with them just marrying someone who has kids and becoming a stepmom, there are a lot of parents who have a problem with that. I knew my dad wasn't wild about me being with Darren because he knew, you know, the stressors that came with being in a blended family. And, you know, as a child of divorce, I experienced it all. And it's almost like your parents have to or even the people in your life need to mourn the loss of what they thought was going to transpire for your life. I couldn't have said it better myself. It's exactly what happens with parents and anybody who really cares about you is going to feel the need to express that mourning of being with somebody that I I mean, I make fun of it now, but being somebody with somebody who's average and being with somebody who is your age and this you could have lived this fairy tale life where you bought a house together and you had kids together and then you died together. And that is great for some people. And I, I don't discount that, but it just, it, it, this person was in front of you and this connect, you had this connection. Why would you not continue to pursue it? Absolutely. So let's go back to the kids. So what do the kids say? His kids about the new girlfriend. Cause I know I was, I always say I was a child of divorce who I literally would try to get rid of my dad's girlfriends for sport. Like I (laughs) was your worst nightmare to the point that when I hooked up with my husband, basically everyone who knew me as a child was like, Oh God, Jamie, here's your karma. (laughs) Here it's all coming back around. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you know, we had a variety of conversations with them and Brandon more specifically took the role of talking with his daughters early on. I did not have any of these conversations with them. It was hard. We went to a school of, with a graduating class of 55, all of us went to high school all the way through together, the two oldest, excuse me, not the youngest. And for them, it was especially hard because they were still very close friends with people from high school. That was their social circle. And everyone just kind of, everyone just kind of knew what the drama would be. And it just played into a very challenging time for them. The middle one, I'm definitely, his middle daughter, I'm definitely the closest to. And she and I had the most open and honest conversation. She would yell, she would scream, she would like, she would be very vocal to me about the challenges that came along with this with her dad in the room, but sometimes not the oldest who I was closest friends with. We don't directly talk about this really ever. I I think that there's a, a mutual respect that we do have for each other of just saying we will show up to Christmas and Thanksgiving and birthdays. Um, and I will do everything that I can to help Brandon have a good relationship with her, but it is not my role in any capacity to play a stepmom or parental figure to her. And then the youngest, she's the one that we, I mean, she's, she's the youngest. She's still in our home and and Brandon very much has a parenting role to play with her in going through preteen and now teenage years. So she and I probably, we have the most difficult time just from the standpoint that she's growing into this role and she's directly impacted because she's 13 on, we directly impact her, her life more so than the two that are grown adults. It's gotten easier, but it just, it's been hard. Like it's, it's, it's not been a, been an easy transition for all of us. And, you know, I think that, you know, as frustrating as that is, and as hard as that is, that may not, you know, obviously the age difference is playing into your dynamic, 
But that's right. not a foreign challenge for stepmoms. That's actually so something true. that stepmoms who are the exact same age as their partner that they go through. Like those teenage years are, are really tricky. And I think that the age that you come into someone's life or into the children's life can make a huge difference in the way that your relationship develops. And those teenagers, they're they're just tricky to begin with. Of course. I remember being a 13-year-old girl, like, oh, I wouldn't want to relive those days for anything. And, and I can only imagine what it would feel like. My parents were together through my teenage and adolescence, and, and they still are. But I can only imagine what that would feel like when everything else around you is changing your body, your friends, what you want to do with your life, the pressure that you feel with sports and who you're supposed to be. Like, it's just hard. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a hard age. And then when you have everything going on with your parents, you just throw that into the mix. And it's just, it's a lot of, a lot of stuff. Now, let's talk about just people like acquaintances or business, you know, when you're on conferences or you're traveling, you know, his friends. Because I know yes. for me, I remember the first time that I went on a conference with my mm-hmm. husband. And I think we were engaged. Yeah, we were engaged at the time. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I, I'd never been on a conference before. You know, I had, you know, I would go out to the bar at night, but there was no business conferences. I didn't know what to expect. I remember just feeling sick to my stomach, even packing for this because the whole concept of a business conference was so, so foreign to me. So it was in Nashville. And at the time I was, I was 26 or maybe 27 and I look fairly young. So we are in Nashville and it's the first (laughs) night and the first night I meet this woman and she walks up to me and it's it's my husband's first time at this conference since his divorce and then you know the last time he had the wife there and now he has this new young fiance like you know it looks like a rebound midlife crisis relationship at his finest of you course. know of course your stereotypical rebound <laughs> so in i come and obviously i'm talking to all of his male business partners and they're they they don't have any problem with me obviously oh, we, no they're they're happier there <laughs> they're all great and uh so then i meet this wife and she comes up to me and says, oh, we thought he was bringing a friend. It's nice to meet you, but we really liked, and then proceeded to say, you know, my husband's ex-wife's name. And I remember no. being like, really, like that was actually my worst nightmare come true. My worst <laughs> thoughts about what this conference would be just happened the first night. Thank you so much. So what did you say? I think I maybe like mumbled and grunted a little bit. I didn't really know what to say. And then when she walked away, I said to my husband, I was like, what the F just happened? And then it gets worse. So we go to the bar across the street. So we're in Nashville. So the drinking age in the States is 21. In Canada, it's 19. So it's just a little different, right? And we're all going in in this group. And in this group, my husband is actually one of the younger ones at this conference. So his new young girl, like I'm I'm older than, like I'm the same age as a lot of their children. Walking into this bar, big bouncer on the corner physically yanks me out of this kind of mob that we're walking in in this group and asks for my ID. Well, I had given my ID to my husband to put in his pocket at one time and he couldn't find it. So we're like scrambling to try to find the ID. And these women are like, oh, how old is she? Are you robbing the cradle? Like making Uh. all of these comments. And I was done for the night. I just said I couldn't, I couldn't handle it anymore. It was, it was the worst night ever. I could not even wrap my head around it. 
No, I couldn't get in. I didn't have my ID. Uh, <laughs> that sounds horrific. It sounds like you're literally like a, a movie scene. Yeah, I felt like I was a child on like, you know, when you're you see those bullying scenes on the playground where there's like people yes. standing in a circle around you kind of like taunting you. I really felt like that was and I'm sure my recollection of it is a little bit exaggerated as I've told the story over and over and over again. But it's a great way, story. <laughs> yeah, it's a good story. Eh? The way I felt that night. Oh, my gosh. So do you have like when you have gone to these events that I felt so insecure? And I think I just got to the point where I don't feel insecure anymore. Probably a couple of years ago. We've now been together for about seven years. But can you like what does that feel like? I can totally relate to that. There are still to this day moments where people choose to be nasty instead of either keeping their opinions to themselves or just disengaging. And it just, it, it baffles me, but like it is what it is. So for conferences for us, since I did work with Brandon, there wasn't as much of a challenge like showing up, like my presence was already there. It wasn't like I was this new person. I, I I had met people because I had worked in the business before, but I avoided events for the first nine months. Like I wouldn't, I didn't go to our all company Christmas party, even though we were together. Like I just, I, I didn't want to show up because I didn't want to have people acknowledge that my role with him had changed within our organization. Uh, and Brand, Brandon, uh, is the owner of the company that he works with, he owns. So there's a dynamic there as well, where it's not he's not an employee. He's like, he's the guy that makes the rules and sets the example and creates the belief of what our team members and our customers like follow. Like he's, he's a very public figure in that way. And obviously his ex-wife was present when he was building the company. However, she, she didn't work in the company in the same capacity that I do. And I'm still fairly engaged with the team members and I, I know a lot of them. And so for me, it was more so people choosing to be nasty. It wasn't awkward being introduced, but there are moments all the time where I am introduced and people ask if he's my dad or I'm his daughter. And I mean, I have a hundred of those stories that just, now it's old news, but at first it's just mortifying because what do you say to that? Like you have to acknowledge that it's the truth. Like I could be his daughter. Yeah. You're like, no, actually we sleep together. Like, just like you could <laughs> think about, you know, what you should do is you come up He's with a some real cr- good lay. <laughs> oh yeah. You should um, come up with just funny things to say so that when they do happen, then you can, you guys have like these inside jokes that you can just like spew out there and just see the best thing is, is to say things and see like the look on people's phases. Oh, totally. I love that. I would say to give people more credit, half the time, 75% of the time people are genuine in really asking. Like I, I only believe that a, a quarter of the people do it to be nasty and the people that do it to be nasty. I am a lot more, I would maybe say vengeful or spiteful than my significant other. Brandon will just like blow it off. Whereas I would say something like, to make them feel uncomfortable because I think that it's so just unbelievable that they feel that their opinion is so worthy that they need to make a point to, to me. Like, I don't know you. Why do you feel the need to share your lack of support 
to me. Like go be my favorite quote by somebody who is in an age gap relationship. Uh, her name's Erica Jane. I don't know if you watched Real Housewives. Uh, no, but I should now. Oh, you should. Cause this woman is just fabulous. And she says, go be offended at your own life. And I'm like, yes, like go be, whatever it is that is happening with your kids, your parents, your husband, like go be worried about that. Don't worry about my stuff. Like I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm really happy. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what I notice, and this is, I'm sure saying this, I will get some sort of message from someone that this will offend them or they think that I'm talking about them, but the people who had an issue or who have issues with age gap relationships, they're typically women because obviously the men are like, you go, buddy, like, good for you. But they are typically, it's like you represent their worst nightmare, right? Because their worst nightmare is that them and their partner, they split up and he moves on with a new young wife, right? Like that really is, you're, they're looking almost at their own insecurities. Absolutely. And there is a very real part of me that can understand why that would be terrifying and why people's insecurity and judgment stems from that. And and I can have, you know, a, a soft spot for that. However, it just, your own issues and your own fears in your relationship. I have fears in my relationship. Of course I do, but I would never use somebody else as a, to make a point about my insecurities to make me feel better. That's just it's a really poor way of like basic human communication, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's bullying. It's rude. It's totally bullying and totally rude and disrespectful. Yeah, for sure. And you know, when it comes to say people who are struggling in their own life, it really does come back to the way someone treats you is more about them than it is about you. Like I say <laughs> that all the time. Like I love that. And it goes in so many different situations. So, mm-hmm. and you know, I look back at the last seven years as being a step. I'm like, this is, this is character building shit. Oh my gosh. Yes. When it comes to personal development and having perspective on life, I have to say, I'm so grateful that this is the relationship that I'm in. This is the life that I have. This is all that I've gone through because it has made me who I am today and has taught me so many things. So my question for you- Did you think it was going to be easy? I'm sorry, I totally interrupted you, but I've been so curious about this. Did you think it was going to be super easy when you first went into the relationship? I don't think I thought about it that much. (laughs) I don't recall really processing things. Like I remember having a girlfriend say to me, she was a stepmom and was just saying, man, don't do it. You know, just, just don't like, it is so complicated. It is so stressful. It just don't do it. And you know, my mom was saying what she was saying and my dad was saying what he was saying. And I don't think I really thought it through. I thought it would be fine. And it wasn't until we got married And kind of, you know, when you have lots of exciting things going on, you can't really process all that's actually happening in your life. So we moved super quickly. Like we moved in together and then we were engaged and then we had got married and then I had got pregnant and it was like, wham, wham, wham. And then all of a sudden life stopped. And I was like, holy shit, I'm a stepmom. I live in this small hamlet in Southwestern Ontario. I have a wheat field for a backyard. I have a baby and I'm like, what the hell happened to my life? Like, cause it switched in such a short period of time. So that's actually when it all kind of hit me. And Interesting. I, th- I think at that point, 
my husband had started to kind of tell me about the challenges in the co-parenting piece because there was a lot that he kept secret from me. Like I didn't realize kind of what was going on behind the scenes prior Mm. to us getting married and that kind of stuff. So I didn't really know how difficult co-parenting was. I thought it was going to be, I'd swoop in, I'd kind of help them all solve the problems and we'd all, you know, be wearing matching jerseys or whatever, you know, that photo floating around Facebook is. But it was like that first year where I said, wow, this is... This is a lot. We got a lot going on. And you just hadn't put thought into it beforehand. Like you just assumed because you're a nice person and you're likable. If you want to turn that on, that that would be something that you're like, okay, got that. Like done. Check. Next thing. I'm going to go pick up some milk at the grocery store. Right. Like it just seems like, okay, like I can handle that. Okay, I'm going to interrupt this podcast episode for just one minute because I want to make sure that you know about the free guide that I just released. So this one is for anyone who is dealing with a high conflict ex. Look, in a perfect world, our co-parenting relationships would be all hearts and sparkles. Everyone would be able to put their emotions aside, realize that you're on the same team, and actually act in the best interest of the kids. But unfortunately, that's just not always the case. Now, it is important to remember that we all see the world through a different lens and have different perspectives based on our individual experiences. But unfortunately, sometimes when you're co-parenting, you need to deal with the lens and the different perspectives of a high conflict personality, and that can be tough. So in this free download, I share my tips and strategies for co-parenting with this type of personality, from how to keep the drama from impacting your marriage to how to set boundaries and actually stick to them. If you've been struggling in the co-parenting department, you'll want to check this out. So you can download your copy of this guide at www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash high conflict X. I really just was so in love with my husband too. And obviously I still am in love with him, but I think I was so wrapped up in that. And he really made me feel safe and secure and kind of taught me this whole new meaning of family that I had never really experienced before. So he was just providing this type of love that I just didn't even know existed. So I was really wrapped up in that, which is a great thing to be wrapped up in. Yes. So I, the rest of it was just kind of noise to me. Uh Uh-huh. Until it wasn't noise. It was your reality. Yeah. I think Brandon and I moved very slow. Like we're engaged. We've been engaged now for a year, but I still, I don't feel like our lives are at a place where I want to celebrate. Like I don't want to spend all this money just to get legally married because nothing is going to change in our lives by us getting married. So we got engaged. That's great. I'm happy that we're engaged. However, I always thought I was going to get married when I'm 30. And in my mind, I have a picture of what I want my career to look like, what I want my relationship with our collective family to look like friends. Like there's just, there's, there's a milestone coming in my life that I need to put a lot of work into create that I don't want to have a wedding before because I feel like there's still people in my life that are coming to join the story or coming to join like what the next 20 years are going to be. And it sounds funny when I say it out loud, but I just, I want to wait to have this, this moment to be able to share in like an actual celebration, because right now I feel like it's not like we love each other, but it's not the celebration that I want. Uh, And I don't know when that exactly will be, but we're just putting off getting 
married and everything else has moved so slowly that I definitely feel like Brandon and I had that in love phase where I didn't put much thought into the fact that he's a dad. And then when that started to, when the, not when the honeymoon phase started to wear off a bit, what was strange for me was the, the moments where he couldn't come out uh, to dinner or for a date on a Friday night or go to a concert on a Saturday because he ha- had to be with his girls. And I was like, but it just didn't, it didn't click to me because we had our life together. And then I would always be doing something when he was playing the, his parent role, but it, it felt like two separate worlds. And so putting those worlds together was a very slow process and one that I didn't think too much about beforehand, but it really, for about a year, like I struggled to figure out what my place was in integrating my life into his girl's life, not wanting to push that too quickly And then also feeling like resentment that he couldn't be with me because I couldn't be with them yet. Like it was just, it felt messy at the time uh, and something that I wish somebody probably would have maybe prepared me for, but I don't know how they could have done that outside of saying it's going to be different than what you think it is. It's going to be more challenging than you probably understand at this moment. And I would have said, screw you. (laughs) Yeah, I do what I want. Exactly. (laughs) So what would you say if you could go back and give yourself some advice, if you were to give someone who is in your shoes right now advice, and that's not even just with an age gap, with someone who maybe they haven't merged their lives, their their partner is, you know, dating them, and he's also playing the parent role, how would you, because that, that is something that a lot of a lot of stepmoms do struggle with, or a lot of people yes. who are dating men with kids, is that two separate worlds. And how you join them. What has worked for me is patience and not pushing. I take a very hands off approach from a step parent role. uh, And it's been years of not having great relationships, but also not doing anything. Like I've never, I've got, I've only gotten two fights with them with his kids. One of them was because his middle daughter stole my gold scissors out of my office (laughs) (laughs) and I just like exploded on her. This was like six months ago. And then another one was over spilling juice on the floor when we were on vacation. So like two minor things that just like, you know, I unleash my crazy, I guess you could say, but we've worked through those. And so my advice being like patience, allowing time to go by and not pushing the fact that you have this role or you have this positional power that wouldn't have worked well in my situation. And it's turned out that I think that they understand who I am now that I'm not there to ruin their lives. And that I love their dad more than anything that he's experienced or that I've experienced before. And it's a good model for them, but that only that it took a, what seems like a hell of a lot of time. Yeah. And it's not, it's not easy, right? You can read all the advice that you can, but at the end of the day, you really have to kind of go through the trenches to, you know, figure it out on your own. But, you know, you're talking about, you know, spilled juice that I'm willing to bet that that wasn't about the spilled juice. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like when a mom not. loses their shit, like, cause there's a sock on the floor. It doesn't yes. have really anything to do with the sock on the floor. It has to do with the million other things that have been building up. And that was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Yes. But I normally don't want them to see me 
you know, come unhinged. They can watch me come unhinged on Brandon because he and I have a very specific process that we work through when we have conflict and like we address it then and there and we resolve it so that the person that's around us, good, bad, or indifferent, it's sorry if you're conflict avoidant, you probably shouldn't spend much time with us because we will, we want people around us, especially his kids to see there, if there's an issue, you address the issue, you work it through, there's a resolution and then you move on. Like you're, you're fine. 25 minutes later, or five minutes later, or an hour later. Darren and I are like that too. We, ha- well, we have arguments, right? And we, if something's bothering us, we tell each other right away and we work through it and, you know, might involve some heated conversations, but 20 minutes later, chances are we're fine. Like we can go yes. watch a movie or whatever it is that we need to do that day. We're totally fine. But it kind of goes back to, I always say, I think it's important to make sure that whether you're a stepmom or whether you're, you know, in a relationship, whatever your role is, if you're dealing with stepkids, whoever, it's really important to make sure that you're not bottling stuff up or working through your challenges, whether you're talking to your partner or you're talking to a friend or you're seeking out support, even, you know, an online stepmom group, whatever it is, keeping all of this stuff inside, I think it's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree with you more. And especially, I think what we have taught, as it's funny as you're saying this, I'm thinking about the example that we've created. And I, I I think that there are some negatives to allowing somebody to see you boil over because there, there is this high peak of emotion. And when you're young, you just have like, there's more emotions happening to you. You're there's puberty and, and new feelings that are taking place. So I've watched his youngest daughter have high peaks of emotion but what the age gap and being a soon to be stepmom, but feeling like I've been a stepmom for a while and, and playing that role of sorts has taught me is you have to have reason associated with those emotions. Like even if the reason is I'm just feeling really emotional right now and I have to blow off some steam. I'm sorry that I'm doing this to you. Like whatever that conclusion is, that's what I want to teach his kids. Like that's the positive form of communication that I think we want to instill in them. And we're in this funny process where there's like a lot of emotion and, but then it's teaching, okay, let's make sure we get to a resolution of why this is happening, that this is okay. And that we're going to move forward. Yeah. Working through the problem instead of just losing your shit for the sake of losing your shit. Like what, what's the resolution here? Because it's okay to have emotions. Like that's, she can be so pissed. Any of his kids can be so pissed at us for ruining their lives. Like I freaking get it. Or maybe I don't get it. Maybe like I've never, that that didn't happen to me, but I can only imagine that that is freaking hard and it sucks. I'm so sorry that that sucks. Like what can we do to make this less sucky and how can we help you have the most amazing, incredible life that you feel fulfilled and happy and just, you have the best friends and the best career. Like what can we do to make up for this kind of shitty aspect? But like, if you can't, if you can't get to just vomiting something and then wanting to find a resolution, you never find a resolution. And then just emotions and feelings are hurt and everyone leaves feeling like, well, this is never going to work and this is never going to be okay. Yeah, for sure. It's all about working through your problems really mm-hmm. just kind of plowing through, even though they're really, really tough conversations to have. And that's really true for a lot of step family dynamics. Mm-hmm. Do you ever share with your stepkids that you have a hard time being a stepmom? Like, do you, do you ever vent in the same way that they might vent about how challenging it is to have a step parent? 
You know what? No, I don't. I don't think I talk. A, well, I'm sure they see my stuff on the internet, though, right? Because the kids are at the point <laughs> exactly. where they know they know what I talk about and they know what I do and they participate in my business too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think that whenever there's an awkward situation for us, we've always just kind of joked our way through it to the point. So, you know, I remember when I was getting my, we were at an appointment for my wedding and my stepdaughter. So she's 16. And so that would mean I would have had her when I was 17 years old. Someone said, oh, and they called me her mom. And so I didn't really know how she was going to react the first time that happened because I know when I was growing up, I would be like, she's not my mom. I would have freaked, right? But (laughs) she uh, didn't really say anything. So I thought, you know, I'm always about addressing those awkward situations. And I just kind of said, it wasn't that strange that she thought I was your mom. First of all, I'm getting my wedding dress And what did she think? I had you when I was 12. And then so we had this joke, right? So it kind of took any discomfort out of the situation. And since then, we've always kind of been able to joke or just kind of brush it off if someone calls me their mom, because that happens all the time now. It's just people just assume. But, you know, even I think, I, you know, I've had issues with one of my stepchildren and we just kind of had conversations about it because there was a time where there was just some tension. And I think we can all agree that when you have tension in your home, it's not a nice place for anyone to live. So we had a conversation where I just said, okay, what can I do to make things better for you right now? And here's what I need from you. And we just had this open conversation where I said, the end of the day, you don't have to like me right? Mm. But we're going to need to figure out a way for us to live together so that we don't have to walk around our house with this pit in our stomach because I have a pit in my stomach and I feel sad right now. And I'm willing to bet that you have some sort of, you know, feeling as well. Mm -hmm. And it was just this open conversation. And honestly, having that conversation helped us just move forward. I'm all about kind of identifying those emotions and saying like, it's okay. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's okay that you don't think that there was a situation where once where they say, someone said like, I don't have to listen to her. She's not my mom. And then the next day they asked if I could take the mustard stain out of their shirt and drive them to their friends and do all of these things. Right. And I was sitting there and I just went to the bedroom and I said, okay, I need you to know, first of all, I love you no matter what. And I'm always going to love you. So that, that is just, it is what it is, but you need to understand that I will respect that you feel you don't have to listen to me because I'm not your mom and I'm not your mom. I never will ever try to take over that role. However, I'm the mom figure in this house and Mm. we need to treat each other with respect. But how fair is it for you to treat me like that and make me feel like that and then expect me to drop everything I'm doing to drive you to your friend's house or to scrub that mustard out of your shirt. Like, do you know how hard it is to get mustard out of shirts? Right. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think that's fair. So you need to kind of make a choice on how you want this relationship to go. We can all live together and we can treat each other with respect or we can keep going like this, but I will not be dropping everything that I do to drive you to your buddies. Sorry, mm-hmm. not happening. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how we've tackled those types of situations. And it's always been so, so effective. I love that because it just, it works. Like it, it's the thing that you don't want to do, but if you don't do that, nothing works. Like there's no way there, it's not their responsibility to fix their problems with you. You're unfortunately the adult, even though at moments it doesn't feel like you're the adult. It feels like it's just as nerve wracking to talk to my stepkids about issues, if not more nerve wracking as if I was talking to a team member or a a close friend. Like it's, it's hard. It's not, 
I think growing up, you think that parents have this magical skill that they can just be demanding and hard on you and have all these rules because they're parents. But then you realize, no, they're people. And those conversations are hard for them too. And for me, those conversations are always the ones that are like the most like stomach turning butterflies, knots, and then you do it. And and in most cases, the relationship improves, or at least your intention is shared to where in the future, it provides your step kid a reference point that you are like trying that you're, you're there. And this is how you show up and you're, if you are a good person, it, it shows that you're trying to be a good person. For sure. And you know, for you, it's almost, it's tricky because what's your role? Are you coming from like a parental role? Are you coming from the role of a peer? Cause they, you were a peer at one point and then you had a whole new role. So mm-hmm. that's where I think, it, you know, I can't, I know it's tricky for me. I can't imagine how tricky it is for you to navigate that. I'm very logical. So whenever there's an issue, I'm just like super black and white about things. And I think that the older two would probably say that I really don't meddle in Brandon's relationship with the oldest. Like I I said that before they like, they have their own relationship. I do what I can to help him have the best relationship when he shares their issues or when like they have conflict as any parent does. Uh, But with the, the middle one, it's easier for me to come alongside her because I'm rational. I'm not coming from a place of I'm trying to be your stepmom or I'm trying to be your peer. I'm just saying, Hey, look, this is, this is what other people do. This is how you should do this. Like I, I actually, I probably pull from other people's examples of just how life works in quote unquote normal scenarios. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, that's super helpful too, because it's not you coming in with information, it's you sharing information. So that would be good for the dynamic. So I want to, before we wrap up, touch on like the root cause of the issue with age differences, because, you know, it really comes down to society and how Mm -hmm. society views men who are aging and who, how society views women who are aging. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the whole root of the issue that people have with age differences. Would you agree? Absolutely. Because when you think about hundreds and or thousands of years ago, like age differences were normal. Like you're, you were set up with somebody who likely was 20 years older than you. Like, and that was a societal belief and mindset, but now it is shifted to where it's 2019. And I think that it's become more normal than it was 50 years ago. Like I get a ton of people who introduce me to their parents who have a 20 year age gap. And I'm like, you were a maven. Like you, you are a trailblazer for being open and and just, just making this your life path. But yeah, I think society just really focuses on the differences and can't see past what the negative exchange is. And I talk, talk a little bit about this on my blog of just saying there's this this inherent trust that you either build or destroy with people when you first see them. And you just have to figure out ways to overcome that. You just have to figure out how to address it or you have to cower. And I think that's what I did early on is just avoid it at all costs in all situations. I would not want to make it a focal point, but that like it screams your insecurities. Like it just, it screams. I think actually I just read this on your Instagram, your insecurities are louder yeah, than in, your insecurities are loud and confidence is quiet. Quiet. Yeah. And 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 so people feel that. And so I, I was gonna say this earlier too, with at least my blog, 
it's so improved my relationship with my stepkids because they first of all understand more about me than they ever would if we were just having a day-to-day, you know, interaction, but also it, it improves my ability to feel confident and not apologizing to people that I am just meeting for the first time because I know who I am. I know that this is something that I've put out there. It's like, it's going on the offense before feeling like you're on the defense. Yeah, for sure. And you know what, sharing your story, I think is a huge, it's huge because I know for me, I can write a lot. I, I, a lot of things that I wouldn't necessarily say out loud. And I have a lot of people say, I find out about your life through your blog. Like you don't actually tell me. And these are close people in my life. I said, I just really like to write. And I think when I write it out, it helps me kind of work through things. And it also just kind of, it's a little more comfortable to do that than it is to have these one-on-one conversations. So speaking Mm -hmm. of your blog, what, tell us about your blog. My blog is called He's 25 Years Older, and it's all about debunking age gap myths and also documenting the struggles that Brandon and I go through and the highs that we go through together and and with our age gap. I haven't ventured too much into talking about the step parent piece because I I mentioned this, I think earlier, or maybe it was before we started actually recording. There's definitely still sensitivity in our household around just as kids. And for me, I, they're becoming more comfortable with it. And I mention them in certain areas, but I haven't just delved into that topic. Uh, But I really do want to focus on people who I were in the exact same situation as me who felt like they lost their confidence due to having an age gap. I want to be talking to those people to say, it is okay to lose your confidence. And I understand why, but here are the things that you can do in order to get that back and to actually have a better life in the areas that you want to have a better life in. If you really do love and you're committed to this person, like I'm not talking to everybody in an age gap relationship. I think that there are absolute power struggles and uses of power in certain age gaps that like aren't good and that I'm not for, but I'm for the person who is just like me a few years back who just felt freaking lost in the process of dating somebody older and the expectations from society around that. So what do you think are, are the positives about dating someone older? What are, would you look at your relationship and think, okay, what are the positive things about this? It's crazy. I never dated somebody older, but now if Brayden were to die tomorrow, like this is morbid, but he and I talk about this all the time. Like if he and I weren't together, I could not not date somebody older. I cannot fathom dating somebody my age at this point. And the reasons being, he has so much life experience to the point where I, I literally feel like I am pushed from a personal development perspective every single day. And he only has gained that through confidence of building things and failing through things. So there's nobody that holds me more accountable than he does. And it's because he knows what I need. Like he knows what I'm going through before I'm going through it. Cause he's gone through those same things. And he pushes me from, we really connect over business and we work together. So he just pushes the way that I think in ways that I don't think would be possible from somebody who hasn't actually gone through and lived those experiences before. I totally agree. And there's so many things about Darren that he just, when we, actually, there was this good looking guy who came in once and he was younger. He was probably my age. And Darren, uh-huh. Darren said, Oh, like, do you think that guy's hot? <laughs> I don't even know what our conversation was just silly. And I was like, I think he looks like a child. And she's like, he's yeah. three years older than you. <laughs> I said, I just, I just really, I think that, I think there's a difference in maturity between men and women for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I will say there are times where I still maybe feel like I might be more mature than Darren, even though he is 13 years older than me, because <laughs> men and women are just different, different yes. beings. But, you know, I always say one of the benefits of 
this age difference. And the fact that I get to be his second wife is that he has learned so many lessons and made so many mistakes that I get the better version of him, right? Like I get the experienced version who the wiser version of him. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful for that because the reason why I love him, maybe I wouldn't have loved the type of person that he was before because we all evolve and we all grow. And those failures make somebody change. I don't like people who have repeated success and success and success in life. That is wonderful, but you don't grow from having wins. You can celebrate them. So having a failed marriage is like such a personal journey and such a process that is, it it changes somebody. And I don't think you're right. He wouldn't be the same husband that he is to you today. If he wouldn't have experienced what didn't work and him realizing, Oh shit, maybe those little things that don't matter, like really don't matter. And those were the things that prevented us from like, those were the things on my part that prevented us from really making this work. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. So what, um, where can people find you? Tell us about your podcast. You just launched a podcast. You have your blog. Yes. Give us a lowdown. So I have the blog. The blog is at he's 25 years older.com. I'm also on Instagram at he's 25 years older. And my podcast just launched three weeks ago and it's called the age gap realness podcast. And Brandon and I essentially just talk through issues that he and I have either gone through or experiences that we've gone through and learned about. Uh, I also want my parents to come on because I think that there's so much to be learned from how to do that well, how to introduce your family well, because it's such a critical, important um, component to a successful relationship if your family is important to you. And so many people hide these relationships from their families. And I know I did for a while with my dad. And so the uh, podcast is on iTunes and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, but it's also on YouTube, which has been phenomenal for watching how like crazy I am on camera or it's just like, it's a, it's a learning process. It's we're only three episodes in. So we're, we're growing and developing. No, and it's so great. So I will link everything for everyone below. But your podcast, honestly, when I when you launched, I was like, hmm, what's this going to be about, right? So I dove in and I listened, and it's it's you know you talk about your age difference, but you also talk about relationship, and it you know it's like a personal development podcast. It's also a relationship development podcast. There's just so many so many good take homes from what you guys say. And I think I actually wrote some notes down from something that Brandon had said in one of them. And it's great. So I'll link it for everyone below. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This has been amazing. I love everything that you're doing and talking about when it comes specifically to stepmoms. And as I shared with you right before this started, I found myself in the same position that I'm sure many of your audience members do. And I found a book that was helpful, but I wish I would have found you. Like, I wish that you would have been creating this content when I was early on really, really struggling with how to, how to navigate being a stepmom in in that new role. Yeah. Well, we're all just doing the best we can with what we have, right? Amen. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. Chat soon. Okay, guys, if you like this podcast, please do me a little favor. Take a second and subscribe on iTunes and then screenshot this podcast, give it a share in social media and tell your friends what you think. And hey, don't forget to tag me so that I can thank you for helping me spread the word. Thanks so much. And I will talk to you next week.